Hi there. Welcome to the e-commerce A to Z podcast brought to you by Kudubas Reviews. The e-commerce A to Z podcast is aimed at helping e-commerce merchants and entrepreneurs that go and scale their businesses. In recent times, mental health has come to the forefront of issues. More people are talking about it and finding help. But can we say the same for entrepreneurs? We all like to celebrate entrepreneurs doing cool things and making lots of revenue annually. They become our heroes and we idolize them. However, what is the psychological price these entrepreneurs silently pay to achieve their dreams? Is there a constant state of loneliness, imposter syndrome, depression, or anxiety? In this episode, we speak with Josh Boone on the mental health crisis in entrepreneurship and simple steps entrepreneurs can take to improve their mental health. Josh has had his own fair share of the mental health crisis as an entrepreneur. Currently, he's the founder of Pure Web Results, a consultancy determined to empower businesses with a holistic data-driven framework designed to sustainably scale. This podcast is brought to you by Kudubas Reviews, the best way to collect and display kind reviews on your website. I'm your host, Jifa Mensa. Stay tuned. Hi, Josh. Can you tell me about yourself? Hey there. Um, yeah, so my name is Josh Boone. I'm the founder and CEO of Pure Web Results. Uh, we're kind of a boutique consulting firm we we kind of help work with founders and marketing directors of you know, primarily e-commerce brands sometimes b2b as well uh you know purpose-driven brands you know people that kind of want to make a difference and 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 help them primarily through through marketing uh have their their business be you know sustainably and healthy scaling and growth versus just kind of you know random acts of improvement uh and, and and such from there so h- how i kind of got started on this might might be a good place to start um with my background is I, I i've been doing this for about 17 years now I, I got started a long long time ago um i grew up in small business my dad had a tree service so even when i was a kid like seven and eight i'd go out on estimates with them with clients and i just kind of learned how to talk with people and and you know my dad always ran things to be you know very authentic and very very true you know upfront but Growing up in that small business mindset, you know, once I started working with clients, it got, it was always really kind of funny because, you, you know, with a small business, you, it's cash flow. you know, it's either a sound business model and, and it works or it doesn't. And, and so I, I kind of grew up with that mindset and um, I started uh, building websites and I decided to build one for my dad's, you know, tree service. And then I'm like, okay, well, how do I get people to go to this website? And then uh you know i started getting into seo back then we just put some keywords and you know boom you're you're you know you're ranking it was crazy and like i saw like his phone was exploding and i saw like the 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 real impact that it had on my you know my family and my dad's small business i was like wow there's a lot of power in this so his small business friends started started asking me to to you know build them websites next thing i know i'm like 13 i'm freelancing you know building websites um and then i got into uh you know i started building my own websites for for other stuff as well and i'm like okay well how do i make some money on this so i started getting into affiliate marketing and and e-commerce and i had a couple e-commerce shops i was running i i ran a network of affiliate websites and i did that for a while 
uh, kind of burnt out on that and decided that, you know, I kind of wanted to work with more of those small businesses like my dad again and taking some of the learnings that I had over the years, you know, working on my own projects. So I started an agency and, you know, did that for about six years. And, you know, we went from a handful of people to like a group of 14 and, you know, we were just exploding and things were really good, won a bunch of awards. And, you know, we got to work on some really cool projects. I was really happy with my team, but I was also working hundred hour weeks and I was burnt out and I developed an ulcer. And I was just like, I, I had a lot of health problems and I was just like, why am I even doing this? And, and, uh, you know, I did some soul searching and I just decided, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to do that anymore. Like why, you know, why I have this business, but I felt like it was, you know, driving me rather than me driving the business. And so I took a step back and I, I, I sold the business. I left and I sold pretty much everything that I owned and, uh, uh bought an RV and just traveled the country for two years. And that, that really was major for me. I never really had a lot of time off, uh, growing up i was you know either working with my dad the small business or working on my own projects when i was little so i took that time and really got to reflect and and it was that you know after about two years of doing that i got kind of bored and i'm like well what's the next step and i'm like i want to you know help businesses and help you know people that were kind of in my position and working as the agency and working with hundreds and hundreds of businesses over the years and completely different industries like some industries that i didn't even know existed before uh, I started working with them, uh, I got to see a lot of the consistent issues that they were dealing with. Like e-commerce businesses were working with issues, work, dealing with some of the same issues that uh, you know financial, uh, you know wealth management companies were dealing with, or whatever. And you would never think that you would never think they would deal with uh, you know some of these specific problems. But there were solutions that some of these really obscure industries where it was kind of common knowledge what those solutions were, but in other industries, it was completely alien to them. And so I was like, this is an interesting uh, problem to fix. So I kind of wanted to work on, on, on kind of taking a lot of those learnings from all these different industries and different teams and founders and CEOs I worked with and seeing what we could do. And from there, I you know started working primarily with, with e-com brands over the last two years and helping them not only personally as leaders, but also as a team, uh, be able to grow uh, sustainably and and uh, expand you know what they're doing and make it more holistic in, in nature. And and the results have been crazy. So that's that's really what uh, I, I've been primarily working working on with my team. And you know, there's just time and time again, I talk with these founders, and they get you know two, three, five, six, seven, eight years in. And, you know, after, you know, getting to know them and, and developing a relationship with them, you know, inevitably at some point, a lot of the time I'll have these conversations where they'll just be like, man, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. And, and like they, you know, they have all this outside pressure. Some of it's self-created and some of it is very real from, you know, either their investors or people in their, you know, their social groups, because a lot of them, their friends are entrepreneurs. So, you know, you kind of get in these echo chambers where everyone's like scale 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 grow 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 um and everybody just wants to rush into the next thing but they don't really ask themselves why you know why do you do what you're doing like why why is it that you need to 3x over the next like two years like like you know what are you really trying to go after and that's the question that a lot of times they're so busy just going on to the next thing they don't take that step back and it's when i kind of come in and my team comes in and we start working on some of these larger brand and positioning uh conversations that 
we start asking why and we just keep asking the whys and and it, it, it usually leads down to them re-examining why they're even operating the business to begin with interesting so in your talk you repeatedly mentioned going sustainably what does mm -hmm. going sustainably mean to you it's two things i think um it's it's one making your business as much as possible uh something that is kind of disruption proof both uh you know systematically just in your strategies your processes your team uh you know not making yourself overly uh reliant on certain market factors like for example if you were someone who invested very heavily and having a bunch of airbnb properties uh you're hurting right now <laughs> you're hurting Definitely. pretty bad yeah so you know there's a lot of those kind of things like how can you kind of uh you know cap your downside um i think virgin mobile the founder of virgin mobile like he he he, he kind of he has this, this great story i think he told on when he did a podcast with tim ferris who's talking about how uh richard branson how when he decided to do virgin mobile he, he made a deal with the airline company that hey after two years if it didn't work out they would buy back the airplanes yeah. uh, it, it's amazing he capped his downside so it's like how can you do that in your own business uh as much as possible how can you make yourself less reliant on outside disruptions and forces kind of hurting your business so that's the more structural integrity but the other factor is more um emotional and 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 kind of why you do what you do how can you make this something that you enjoy doing how can you make this this business something that uh, grows with you and helps accomplish your goals? And instead of this being a means to an end where you just want to, you know, three or four exit or, or hundred exit and, and grow, 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 and then sell it in five years, how, how do you just make this something that you want to keep working on and, and, and helps power uh, the lifestyle that you really want? Uh, you, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about this greatly and, you know, lifestyle design, uh, you know, four hour week, that, that whole thing. It's, it's not, it's the same concept. How can you develop a business that, uh, actualizes your goals? So what that means on a more tactical level, you know, and now we're thinking kind of big picture, um, you know, those two things, but on a tactical level, it's even how, how can your, you know, well, I'll use marketing as an example. Uh, how, how can you make all the different pieces of the puzzle, if you will, uh, fit together and work holistically. So instead of thinking of social media and like SEO uh, and say paid, you know, a paid search and, and organic search and, and, and social media and all these other things as separate, what if they're all just different outlets of the same thing? And what if you could take the learnings from your social media efforts and have them amplify the efforts of your search, your organic search and your paid search and vice versa? How can perhaps maybe you you test some of these assumptions with paid advertising uh, and, and figure out what works and what really what you know what resonates with your audience and what doesn't and then invest in the long term uh, or, or, or organic efforts that take a lot more time. Like if you're a small business owner, you're an you know, e-commerce brand, maybe even a solopreneur, like everything you work on is super important and you really have to value your time. And a lot of times instead of thinking about how can you make your efforts more evergreen and holistic and and you know you know hit many targets with a single stone they're kind of just running from thing to thing to thing 
And if you're an, a solopreneur, that's really detrimental. I mean, I don't need to tell you if you're listening and that's, that's where you're at because, you know, you're, you're, jugg you're, you're juggling so many different, you're spinning so many plates at once. I mean, I've been there many times. Uh, it's still largely am, you know, you just do that's the, what it's like being a, a business owner. Uh, but if you have a team and you're a leader, you also have to think about how that impacts your team as well and how that trickles down and are, are, are you creating an atmosphere and a work environment that is empowering them and their goals, or are they just on your ride? Because if they're just on your ride, they're going to exit sooner rather than later. And that's going to have real effects on the sustainability of, of your goals and, and your business as well. Um, so yeah, those are things that don't really get discussed a lot, usually until it's too yeah. late, unfortunately. Yeah. But why do you think that entrepreneurs focus on the short-term revenue instead of the long-term sustainability? It's innovate or die. It's, it's, it's just the struggle of survival. I think, yeah. I, I think it's people, if you, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a little acclimated to it. Cause again, I, I grew up, there's two factors for me. It's one, I, I grew up again with the small business mindset, my dad and my mom, my mom had a cleaning service. My dad had tree service. I grew up with, you know, that, that kind of feast and famine, particularly with my dad with, uh, you know, he has a tree business. It's seasonal, you know, in the spring, if, if you have, uh, you know, depending on the weather and, and everything, and uh, if the spring and summer and fall, he would do fairly well, summer, particularly spring and fall, depending on, you know, weather, but in the winter, all he really could do was sell firewood. And if for whatever reason, like he didn't have a lot of tree jobs that had firewood that was hardwood and, you know, like burned really well, and he could season enough of it. Sometimes he would run out of his firewood and then he would just have to survive on what he saved. And what happens if, for example, uh, you had a not great summer uh, or, or spring or fall and you didn't save up a lot of money and you have, because of that, you also had a bad winter, that gets really hard. And I think that's what a lot of these, these, these founders and, and uh, you know, solopreneurs or any sort of business owner deals with is that uh, feast and famine and then you double on the fact that, you know, we're all dealing with that, you know, the, the winter period right now uh, with, you know, instead of it being, you know, firewood and trees, it's, you know, a pandemic that is having very real uh, societal health and just logistical issues um, with, with you know, it's affecting so many industries. So you're, you're constantly having all these disruptions, big and small, and it makes you just try to constantly stay afloat and i think some of that is very real and some of that is just the reality of running a business some of it is totally just self-contained and reinforced uh it's self-created i should say and uh, other is the other thing is incentive as well and that's kind of there's this is the insidious thing that a lot of people don't really talk about as much is what is the incentive for example for your business, for you, but for your, your team, but more so than anything, if you have investors, what is their incentive? And that is what I think we're seeing right now with a lot of VC backed companies is they're not sustainably built. They're not, because the, if you're not aware of how the VC model works is they will invest in a company and typically they're looking to exit and have a balloon within about, you know, five to 10 years, usually it's around like seven to eight years or so. And so what they're doing is they're investing, expecting 90 to 95% of all the businesses they invest in to just basically fail. 
So they need to have that five to 10% be unicorns that are 100, 150X growth. And that's how they make their money. So all of these businesses they're investing in, they, they, are, they don't care about it being sustainable. They just want the hockey stick growth so that they can, have, they can ride that wave, cash out and be on their merry way. But I, you know, the people that we're talking about, uh, and I'm sure most of the people that are listening are, are founders that want to build a brand they really believe in and they want to build, build a brand with integrity and they look at it as their baby. And typically, the that is does not align with the VC model because the VCs are like, hey, we want you to just keep grow, 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 growing up until the point where we cash out, and then we wrote, you know, we wrote that you know you were valued at a million, now you're a hundred million. We just hundred x, we got our money, we're out. Then the founders are kind of stuck dealing with the fallout of having this very unsustainably built business. And they, you know, it, it's it's really insidious. There's so much uh, mental health issues with founders where after five, six years, they've been running a business and they feel like they're constantly being pressured to just keep growing and keep growing, and keep growing. And they have to sacrifice the long-term for just making their, you know, their OKRs basically, just making their revenue goals for the year. And sometimes if they don't meet those goals, they found they find themselves getting kicked out of their own company. It's it's so horrible. Yeah. Do you think that imposter syndrome plays a role in the mental health of founders? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of founders are younger and you know, they see how they you know they usually they will uh, just kind of, you know, be kind of like me and just tinker around start something just because they they want to march to the beat of their own drama and then and those are people that are usually you know idealists and uh you know i'm right, I'm right there with them um but they don't want to conform um but because of that they're just figuring it out as they go and one of the biggest issues that i see with a lot of founders is the lack of mentorship they don't really have a lot of guidance and they're trying to find it through uh you know the 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 Tony Robbins or the Tim Ferrisses of the group of the, the world or the the Gary V's or whatever else and and um, you know sometimes that can be really really good other times it can maybe point them in the wrong direction uh, and because their 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 mentors typically if they don't have real life mentors that you know maybe emulate a more realistic goal of what they really want their mentors end up being these huge monolithic you know the Gary V's of the world not 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 hating on Gary Vee, but like he's a very certain type of person that has a very uh, exaggerative life and lifestyle and a lot of money and big brands and all this other stuff. And they, that kind of becomes the template. But that doesn't have to be the template. I think we idolize like the big brands and we, we idolize the big, huge followings, but we don't, idolize, you know, honestly, the people that are the most content that I've worked with are the ones that are running a business that they really believe in and it's consistent it's stable they're doing good work their team loves working there everyone feels empowered it's not the people that are the the huge case studies of explosive growth Th those are the people that you know we're, we're having a drink uh and it's just the two of us they they're opening up and saying hey i i don't know how much longer i can do this and, and they don't feel like they can be open about it because they're worried about that, you know, hurting their brand or hurting them and their career prospects and everything else. And there's just so much self 
doubt. People feel like they can't be vulnerable. Uh, and, and, and when you have that lack of realistic, uh, you know, really intentional, like, you know, Marcus Aurelius kind of stoic, uh, uh, you know, leaders, and you have more of these big personalities that are just like, you know, everything is big and everything is huge. Your goalpost ends up being something that, you know, your inspiration might be something that you don't even really even want. The e-commerce A to Z podcast is brought to you by Kudobas Reviews. Over 70% of online shoppers refer to reviews before making a purchase. According to them, reviews serve as social proof and aid them in making purchase decisions. Collect reviews from your customers and display them on your website to convert your visitors into buyers. Join over 25,000 online merchants in the Kudobas family and start boosting your sales now. The Kudobas Reviews app is available on Shopify, BigCommerce, Wix, Weebly, and WordPress. Check out kudobas.com for more. So when you sold your business out to travel, what was your reaction from the people in your circle. It was very, it was very interesting because I really expected it to be fairly negative. Like, hey man, you've arrived. Like, what are you doing? Like, you've got a business. Like, you're doing, you're making over a million a year. What, what, what the, what, what are you doing? Like, you, you, you most startups fail. Like, you, you've been able to make it. Why are you leaving? Like, you're leaving to just go travel in an RV. Like, what? What are you going to do after that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's an adventure. And they're like, uh, what are you doing? I thought that was going to be the, the reaction. It wasn't at all. It was the exact opposite. I actually didn't have, I cannot recall a single person that was like overtly negative because they could hear in my voice and see in everything in me, the, the change. Like I went from just being stressed out and whatever to feeling light. Because even though that year when I decided to leave was the hardest year of my life, like the year prior to that was really hard. I mean, I had an ulcer. I, I couldn't, I was on the brat diet. Like it was bananas, applesauce, rice, and toast for a year. <laughs> it was horrible. And like, I thought that was the hardest year, but it was actually leaving, which was the, the hardest, but the, uh, just uh, doing everything. Cause I had to juggle so many things. Like I had to, you know, exit the business, make myself on un- essential deal with the transition. There was a lot of legal aspects of doing that. Uh, you know, get rid of all my things, my car, learn about RVs, buy an RV, and then, you know, learn how to be traveling all this. But what it came down to was even though it was so hard, it, I felt, so so passionate again that i hadn't since i started the business because i had something i I was doing something i really believed in and people felt that and like i think they envied it i had so i expected everybody to just be like yeah you know i can't believe you're doing this you're making you're making a mistake and instead it was like man i wish i could do that you know everybody was like i wish i could do that and some of them you know had very real, you know, personal commitments. They had, you know, family, uh, you know, significant others, uh, uh, you know, a lot of other things going on. But some of them totally could have just done it if they wanted to, you know. But they they were they were trapped. They were in the same exact mindset that that I, I was. So everywhere I went, when I was on the road, 
you know, I, I spent a month down in the Keys. Um, actually, spent two months in the Keys. But the first time I spent a month down in the Keys, I was in Key West. And I was in this little neighborhood uh, bar. And there was just a bunch of rich retirees. And I'm sitting there talking with them. And I'm telling them what I'm doing. And they're just like, that's that's it, man. Like that, I totally, you know, you're, 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 you're spot on. And, and, and they would tell me the same thing over and over again. I worked my entire life and I sacrificed so much to get to where I am. And a lot of them, their family left them, doesn't even talk to them anymore. And they have all this money and they're just sitting down there and they're miserable because they have no purpose. Mm -hmm. So like, I really expected everyone to be um, very, I, I, I don't know, thinking that I was making a mistake, but instead it was quite the opposite. And I actually lead with that conversation now. Whenever I meet somebody, like a new client or whatever else, I'll, I'll tell them about the, the the burnout and the transition. And it makes people open up immediately. And it makes people, it completely changes the course of the conversation. Uh, because for, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I just want to get them, I want to get to really know them on a real level. Uh, and, and I want to cut through things. But the second thing is, is that it lets them know like, hey, I'm doing what I'm doing because I really believe in it. You know, I'm doing it because I really want to. I'm not just doing this for like money because I already had that experience. I learned that lesson and I'm never going to do that again. And that really resonates with people. And, and those the people that that resonates with, like that's personally who I, I want to work with and I want to invest my time and with. Um, and it's just, it, it, it can be so impactful for people when, when they kind of take that step back and they, they ask themselves, why am I doing, what am I doing? And, and, and what am I optimizing for? And yeah. is, is this life and this business that I have still serving me? And if the answer is no, um, my recommendation would be take a break, go out of town. You need to be someplace preferably you've never been before so that you have no attachment to it and just bring a notebook and some headphones and just adventure and just ask yourself, what is it about what you're doing right now that's no longer serving you? And can you course correct that with the life that you have and, and, and flip it so that you know your business now starts serving your real goals and it's something that you enjoy or is it time to exit and do something else? And, and you have to do one of those two. Uh, because ignoring the problem, it, it, it's just going to get worse and compound. And it's going yeah. to affect not only you, but everybody else around you. Exactly. So talking about affecting everybody else around you, I'm wondering, mm -hmm. how can founders approach burnout with regards to their team? So when the team is burned out and it's clear that they really haven't, they're having a bad time working with you or they just clearly have lost it. What can a founder mm -hmm. do to get them back on track or to keep the vision running with the team? Yeah, it's such a, a great question. Uh, I, it, it really pains me to see how many, how many founders really truly mean well uh, and they really want to help their team, but they're so caught up in their own just keeping everything running that they don't take that step to, to ask themselves exactly what, what you just asked me. And what I see time and time again is even if they're aware there is a problem, they think that they just have to do what they're doing because they have these goals and they have to meet these OKRs or whatever else. And I would just say, put all that on pause for a second. 
because that's what you're optimizing for, but that can usually change. And if you're the CEO, you're the founder, you, you can change that. Um, even if you think that you can't, there's, there's always a way. I mean, you're, you are leading the ship. You, you can navigate that however you choose. Uh, it doesn't matter how difficult it is. Usually there's a way. So, so it's, it's, it's taking a step back. And I think having a real conversation with all of your core team and just saying, Hey, are you happy right now? Like, do you enjoy doing what you're doing? What would you enjoy more? Like, what is it? I can tell you're really stressed out right now. Like, what are the bottlenecks here? You know, what, what, what seems to truly be the, the bottlenecks for you being able to do, you know, the work that you want to do and how can we kind of align that? Because if you're, if you're, let, let's say, you know, you, you have a team member and they're, they're crucial to your organization and there's a lack of alignment between what they're doing in their job and what they want to be personally doing you're in a ticking time clock. Like you only have so much time until inevitably they're going to continue to burn out and they're going to get so burnt out and they're going to be demoralized. And at best, they will be like, hey, this job, this, this company is just not for me. At worst, they will feel personally uh, really uh, like, like you are taking advantage of them and you are ignoring their needs and you're not listening to them and you're the problem personally. And, and, and that, that can be really... Uh, not good, particularly depending on what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of industry and how big it is and all that stuff. But more so than anything, it's just listening, asking some good questions and listening, and then seeing how you, you can help align uh, your team with, with what you guys are doing. A lot of the times when I come in and I'm working with brands, everybody has a different idea of what the mission or the company is it's kind of almost comical sometimes where there'll be brands that are 100, 200, $300 million companies. And I'll come in and I'll ask them, hey, what is this brand to you? And I will have every single person give me a different version. And it is crazy to me. And like there's, and, and there's really easy ways of testing that. And there's really very easy ways of getting everyone together. But if, if people give me different answers, then there's a massive issue of alignment and you're not all on the same page. So that, that's just, that's just one, you know, issue right there, because if you get everybody on the same page and everyone's connected and they feel like all of their efforts are going to one thing, but if everybody feels like the company is going in a different direction and they have their own idea of what the business is going, they're inevitably going to feel demoralized when somebody else's idea of the company starts taking over and leading it in a different direction. And that's, when you start having these random acts of improvement, that's when you start having high turnover, high burnout, uh, a lot of demoralization and everything starts collapsing because when you start having high turnover, then that just compounds because then you lost all the learnings there, you lost all their expertise and you have to hire somebody else. There's gonna be huge gaps. Everything just starts breaking down and that's when you have this really bad rapidly accelerating negative feedback loop. It's like a downward spiral. Um, the way to get out of that and the course correct, I found is just, yeah, having conversations with people and figuring out what everyone, what, what does everybody think the, 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 the direction is, the mission? Getting all that unified, that's the first thing. So everyone's working towards a common goal. 
it sounds really simple and it sounds really obvious, but you get so caught up in the day to day that often that just gets put on the wayside because it almost seems too simple. And then the second thing is, is looking at ways, how can you have all these different people that are working on seemingly disconnected goals and having them work collaboratively and having them work together so that again, going back to the social media, SEO, whatever, as just one example, everything kind of works into the next. And you have these teams cross talking about their learnings and they're collaborating. And now you have five or six different you know, people or departments or however big your organization is. And they're all kind of collaborating on the same thing. And they're, they're just different offshoots of the same goal. And the part of the problem with that is usually once you start growing is you have like you hire agencies, you hire outside people and you start having more and more people working in silos, you lose that collaboration. So how can we kind of get back to first principles and have everyone openly kind of collaborating and sharing data? And then the second thing, or sorry, the third thing comes down to how can you test any of these assumptions? So this is where you try and remove as much drama and as much like opinion from it as possible and create an environment in which people feel like they can speak up and have a voice and just throw ideas out there and they're not going to get nailed to the wall for it. And so what we try to do is say, we're gonna do this assumption testing. Find ways in your organization, and there's a lot of very tactical, really simple ways in which you can do this. And I feel I'm happy to go into some examples of that if you want, of how people can test some of these assumptions, but everybody gets the opportunity to throw these ideas out there. And then we you know, come up with say, okay, well, these are the assumptions that we're gonna test. And then you gather some data on it and say, okay, is this working? And if it's not, it gets let go. And if it is, then we, we move forward and we iterate off of it. It's just simple, um, you know, basically CRO, it's conversion optimization, it's split testing. It's, it's, it's looking at how can we, we, we you know, iterate and grow. That does not happen most of the time in an organization. It's usually this is, you know, I'm the boss, I'm the director, I'm the founder, I'm the whatever, like, I want to do this, let's go. And they might hear some opinions, but when that person feels like this is the way to go, they go and people feel like they can't speak up. And that causes so much resentment and demoralization. And that is typically what starts um, that negative feedback loop. And then the further you know, segregation of efforts and, you know, the, the fragmentation of efforts, I should say, and everything just kind of uh, gets worse from there. And often when you course correct this and you get everybody working on a more holistic integrated strategy and they're all working together, not only does the turnover decrease because people feel like all of their efforts are coming together to a common goal and they're working together. Uh, they also feel like they're they're able to speak up more and have an opinion because if everyone's opinions are now kind of democratized or they're all kind of like put out there and we we test the ideas and see what works and what doesn't and it's not about i feel it's about what the data directs so it makes it a lot less ego-based and then usually that what that also does is just make everything a lot more effective and you actually so what will happen is everyone will be a lot happier uh, the mental health of everybody involved will be better. The, 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 the atmosphere uh, will be much better in these teams. And things are a lot more productive. Um, growth actually happens faster, funny enough. And you make more money. And it's 
it's crazy to me how like people think that by just doing this random acts of improvement and just chasing these these quick wins, that's how you have rapid growth. But it's actually quite the opposite most of the time. Um, you you might have quicker growth in the very short term, but in the midterm and the long term, uh, you, you you suffer dramatically. And it just if you look at it of a timeline over a year, that 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 the difference is huge, massive gap there. So those would be a lot of the ways in which I see how it manifests and, and it's a lot of the organizations that I've worked with. Right. People are mm -hmm. gradually warming up to going for therapy. Do you think that every founder should have regular therapy sessions to discuss his or her business? Personally, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think there's value in doing it both in a traditional uh you know seeing a phd seeing a, a, a psychologist uh and, and doing that for yourself i also think that there's a tremendous amount of value having an advisor uh, a mentor however you want to do it this can be somebody i mean this is a lot of what i do honestly it it's yeah. it's it, I, I i i i didn't intend on going down this route but it's just because it kind of naturally occurs. Like we start working with an organization on this and over time, I typically start forming these relationships with these founders and they, and sometimes I'm one of the only people that they feel like they can actually truly open up to because maybe they have partners and there's some things that they feel like they can't really um, communicate all the time because, you know, frustrations, whatever. I'm like, they can talk with their partners about it, but sometimes they just want to vent or they, they need an outside opinion. Uh, they depending on what their 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 relationship circle looks like like their friend their friend group they might actually have people that are pushing them in not exactly the best direction like you know if you're in silicon valley it's like everyone's like scale 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 grow 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 that might not be the best group of people to be getting you know when you're thinking about huh i don't know is this business still serving me uh and you could get you could that's the, the echo chamber can be very very strong and then you can talk with your friends and family, sure, but a lot, you know, depending on your background, your family, they might not have the business experience to truly understand what you're going through. I mean, I've talked to a lot of therapists, uh, you know, myself over the years, and the biggest thing that I struggled with was that they were great from, you know, just, you know, talking about relationships or whatever else, but when it came to my business and making these large decisions, they just didn't really have the, the, the experience themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's when I started connecting with, uh, you know, me personally, a lot of consultants that were much older in their career and, and they started being mentors to me. I was like, wow, I, I've been missing this. I, I, I you know, I grew up in, in you know, Dayton, Ohio. I'm, I'm still here in Dayton, Ohio. I moved back after I, I took the trip and, and uh, you know, we didn't really, you know, we have a lot of you know, successful businesses here, but the, it wasn't a, a huge wealth of people that, that, you know, I, I felt like could mentor me. And, and I r really wished, I think when I don't have any regrets in life at all, I don't really regret much anything, but if I had to do it all over again, I think I would have reached out to some people and tried to cultivate some of those relationships. It just gets really hard though, because like, you don't want to just say, Hey, mentor me, you know, like, <laughs> like it gets really difficult, but I, I think that there's a lot of value in that. Um, I would hesitate though, and just say, uh, try and find somebody who you feel, you know, if you're gonna go with the consulting advisor route, truly try to find someone who you, you click with on a personal level 
and you you kind of you like you're kind of like an older me or something or yeah. or 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 someone who has the same kind of worldview they don't have to have the same personality but the same kind of uh you know purpose driven approach uh who's not just doing it for money because a lot of the times that's when you kind of get those guru types that are just looking at the clock and whatever and that can be really insidious as well because sometimes you know it's kind of like the the chiropractor thing i'm sure there's a lot of great i mean i i I had a sports injury. I went to a good chiropractor and, and he was really trying to always get me to have, you know, look at the core issues of and get better. And he's like, my goal is to make it so that you never have to come to me again. However, there's a lot of chiropractors that are not like that. And they just mm-hmm. want to get you coming back to them time and time again. So yeah, that that's unfortunately a, an issue with, with the industry. But I absolutely think that if you are a founder you you should look at it. I think a lot of founders like they like the march to the beat of their own drum. I am totally that way, uh, uh, 120%. And they feel like I don't need that. Like that's weak or whatever else. And I, I would say it's quite the opposite. You're doing yourself a disservice by not having an outside opinion. You know, like the, the kings would and, and leaders will will have their counsel. They will have their advisors. You should too. And, and by not doing that, I, I think you're really uh, handicapping um, your perspective. I just hope that people that are listening, you know, one of the takeaways, I guess, is just that you, you, you take a step back and just, you know, ask yourself, you know, is this, is this truly, you know, how, how can you optimize? You know, what are you optimizing for? And how can you make sure that everything that you're doing in your life is optimizing for the right things for you and your team? And then the second thing is, is perhaps just being more open to vulnerability. I can tell you, I wear my heart on my sleeve now and I, I am extremely vulnerable and I used to not be that way. I used to be very guarded. And to be honest, it handicapped my business and my success and also just my relationships. Um, when people, I got really close to people, I, I warmed up and I was very warm and people, people liked me. But if people just knew me kind of casually, like, they didn't really have much of an opinion on me or they didn't really care for me because I just didn't open up. And now that I'm just much more vulnerable about where I'm at, uh, everybody respects it. And I have had untold amount of business opportunities come out of it because people are just like, I trust you. Like, I know that you're authentic. I don't have to worry about that. And I want to work with you uh, because of that. So just do not be afraid to be vulnerable. And I, I hope that as you know, more and more of these conversations happen, and more and more people start with that vulnerability that that kind of changes you know the culture and and we all feel like we can be more vulnerable and closer and and just live happier and better lives because that's you know what we all should be doing so thank you very much it's been it's been a pleasure thank you so much josh thank you for listening to our podcast we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did Please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, tell your friends about it, and share on social media. As always, take care of yourself and stay safe. My name is Jifa Menza.